Hello, listeners. Today, we're going to build upon the work we've done since February when I spoke with Eversana CEO Farouk Kapan and published a column with a nice little graphic detailing how pharma companies can actually start to employ strategies with generative AI. The rapid adoption of artificial intelligence continues in various industries, including healthcare and pharmaceuticals, and it's reminiscent of a modern gold rush. As AI continues to innovate and evolve, staying up to date on developments through newsletters and LinkedIn feeds is crucial for those looking to capitalize on the potential benefits of this technology. And the deluge of information is unrelenting, as we know. It's very noisy out there. And to help sift through that, I'm here with today's guest, Charlene Jenner, Vice President of Engagement Strategy with the award-winning agency, Abelson Taylor. She has over 18 years in the strategy and digital field and is an industry speaker and coach mentor. She teaches a course on artificial intelligence and personalization for digital marketers and is passionate about developing interactions through emerging technologies that bridge gaps, creating opportunities, and helping companies leverage their strengths for success. She has leadership experience in a variety of industries, including hotel hospitality, consumer goods, small business, retail marketing, domestic manufacturing, staffing, and healthcare. This diverse past gives her a unique perspective when it comes to translating marketing strategy to its digital components for all kinds of consumers. She is an empathetic servant leader who focuses on creating high-performing teams and helping others succeed. She was named a top woman leader in Dallas in 2022. We've been talking a bunch lately with each other, and Charlene is certainly a lot of things, but she's certainly a lot of Texas. Hey, Charlene, how are you today? Hey, Fran, so great to see you. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Of course. So let's dive right in. As we see a gradual shift towards AI integration in healthcare, what potential applications and benefits do you envision? Well, like you've said, you and I've had some great conversations about how AI is changing, not just technology, but every industry, especially healthcare. When you look at healthcare, it's a mammoth, like it's that 100,000 pound ton oil tanker that we're just seeing. And things change slowly in healthcare. But what we're seeing with this emerging technology with generative AI, it's actually speeding up quite a bit. We're seeing some unprecedented adoption of AI in the pharma industry specifically. What I really attribute this to is the ease of use. When we've seen this before with smartphones, with the cloud, when technology becomes very natural and just intuitive to use, it gets adopted so quickly. And when we start to talk about where we're going to see pharma using AI in the future, this is where we're going to start to see some amazing innovation. What we want to focus on is the parts of emerging technology that make sense now. And then what are some of the things that make sense in the future from a road mapping perspective? One of the things that we could see right now is really bringing in and joining large data sets together. Because when you look at information in healthcare, it's warehouses of data, patient data, clinical data, trial data, advocacy data, monitoring data. It's so big. And it's hard to really look at all of that and join it together in a meaningful way, which is 100% what AI can do. It's that machine learning coupled with creating a good interface. And where I look at things is from a perspective of where is their patient benefit and when, where is their HCP? Where's that provider benefit? And there's a lot of companies that are jumping out right now to say, this is what we can do to use it. There's a startup company in Pittsburgh called Abridge AI. And what they're doing right now is they're helping doctors write notes very quickly after seeing their patients. So it creates those summaries of medical conversations from recorded audio 
during a patient visit where normally a physician would have to have a visit, see 12 patients in a day, and then spend three or four hours at the end of the day grabbing all that data together. This can now speed that up. So all of that information is almost asynchronously added right after that, that meeting. And that's going to really give doctors an ability to see more patients and spend more time caring versus having to write. Another really great company that's out of San Francisco is Syntegra. And what this one is using is they're using generative AI to create copies of patient data that is anonymized that we can use for research. It really creates like what they call synthetic data. And that's where I really feel pharmacy and healthcare can benefit because there's privacy rules. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. What we definitely want to see is how can we take a look at the population, understand the demographics, and then create treatments, get disease awareness, and understand that very quickly. And that's what AI can do for you. One of the things that is really important is to understand that AI is not the, the magic bullet. It's not going to cure everything and it's not going to make everything faster right away. Some things it will do very quickly, like we just talked about record keeping, translation. I mean, there's so much jargon in healthcare and to get a patient to really advocate for themselves. That's one of the things that we have to be aware of and, and AI can help with that. Other places where I feel like we're going to see some, some benefit is creating those points of health monitoring. What COVID taught us over the 27 months that the whole world was involved with it was we don't have a great ability to surveil disease in that way, large-scale surveillance, putting in a lot of information. We don't have a great way to be able to remote monitor patients on a large scale. And with machine learning and AI together, you could be able to remote monitor patients in a way that we haven't seen before, where you're connecting devices or real-time insights around their status, and also being able to determine where there's deteriorating conditions in certain parts of the world. So you can tell where we need to speed up care. But it's a really interesting piece when you start to look at AI and you start to figure out what are the general areas where pharma can use this. And you're starting to think of it in places, patient advocacy, huge piece being able to understand disease states, especially when you're starting to talk about rare diseases, which is near and dear to my heart, because that's one of the focuses for Abelson Taylor is being able to understand what is that, that rare disease state and getting patient advocacy for themselves and for their family members, being able to understand how data can then be moved to different providers around a patient so that they can be able to get the best treatment from multiple HCPs and then being able to manage their own symptoms. When you think about how people understand disease states, there's always the awareness of, hey, something's going on with me. The first thing they do is they go on WebMD and then they all, they all everyone figures out like WebMD is going to tell me that I'm dying. It's like, okay, okay. Now let me look at the regular stuff um, that's on there. And then you figure out like, okay, this might be what I have. And then you go into communities and you're like, okay, do people have the same thing? All that takes time. And being able to use a chat GPT type interface where you could just ask it a question, I'm having these, these symptoms and for the, to then create a report for you and say, Hey, it might be this, 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 or this. And do you want me to dig deeper into these areas? That's going to be amazing for patients. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, it's already amazing. I use it. <laughs> I use it for pretty much everything that I do. I ask questions about, you know, gardening, about wine, about my job. 
Um, <laughs> it's super helpful. And the other thing I was thinking when you were talking is like, there's certainly no shortage of data out there. Though with COVID, there seemed to be a shortage of data. That's the only interesting one. But anyway, that was a lot. So in the context of AI adoption in the pharmaceutical industry, how do you foresee regulatory frameworks developing? What guardrails should be in place to ensure responsible and ethical use of AI? Because we're all very scared, right? As much as we're trying to see the positive in this, it's like, ah, what might happen here? And how does this affect the approach and investment pharma companies are willing to take at this point in time? Well, before I jump into that one, when you tell me that you're using ChatGPT for all kinds of things, ChatGPT right now is free, but for OpenAI, who owns it, it costs about $700,000 to run a day, which means there's like each query is like 36 cents. So every time you ask it a question, just know like 36 cents is how much that costs to answer your question about wine. Just all a little right. anecdote there. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a great power, but no, regulation is very serious, very, very serious. These are the things that I talk with different companies about quite a bit in terms of the risks and the dangers of generative AI. It's the wild west right now. Like it's a little bit lawless. There is a lot of room to grow and explore. I don't think we're going to see this type of lawlessness in an emerging technology ever again, because we're at a point where we have outpaced regulations and legislation where people don't quite understand the technology. So there's so many things that are coming out, like just between the beginning of the year and now we've probably seen about 2000 plus new AI platforms and counting being produced in, you know, every single minute you turn around, there's something going on. So there's a lot of tools and there's not a lot of people monitoring the tools yet. But as we start to look at where emerging technology is going, we're going to have to put some guardrails around it because it's glorious right now. It's exciting. It's dangerous. It's it's a little crazy. For about 20 days, like the country of Italy banned ChatGPT because they were worried about the privacy of their citizens. And they worked out a deal with open AI on their usage. But when you start to think of legislation and all the regulation that's coming into play, even industry giants like Elon Musk and Steve Wozniak are concerned about the pace of where we're moving. Just because we can doesn't always mean we should so quickly. We do need to kind of slow this run down into a little bit of a, of, a, of a slow walk as we start to understand the implications of the regulations around AI. We're starting to see a lot of legislation tighten up. In the next six months, you will probably see the EU come out with an artificial intelligence act that they're working on right now. One of the things that the U.S. is working on is understanding the impact of national security, telecommunications, education around AI. There's a lot of government involvement that's going to happen, which we've been thinking about for at least a couple of years. So the government's been thinking about artificial intelligence since around 2019. Their National Institutes of Standards and Technology has created some research around it. They didn't anticipate that AI would take off so quickly in 2022, late 2022 and 2023. So that's definitely going to be an issue. The biggest one that I see coming around the pipeline from a pharmacy perspective is intellectual property. When we think about it, we AI took off so quickly. And right when we're now starting to catch our breath on, on this is an amazing system, there's a lot of concern. We're seeing that from a lot of pharmaceutical companies, a lot of pharmaceutical agencies, because the information gets scraped from so many places in a chat GPT interface. And questions that we think about are, where are the content sources and the content creators that 
provided all this information for AI to learn because it trained on so many things, but nobody realized it was training. So people will need to be compensated for this training that it's providing. This information is created by someone and they, they need to be able to be compensated for that. And intellectual property protection is a huge piece because when you start to think about the data that is collected by AI and used. These are pharmaceutical companies that spent years on research and spent their scientists have written papers. Where is the resource and the attribution to those things as well? The behemoths like Google and, and Microsoft have looked at partnering with different companies on how to use their technology, but very little has been said about how do we compensate the minds that have created this content in the future? And what are those costs going to be? as we start to move into this. And it's not just cost, it's also regulation around patient data. Now, ultimately, you know, with HIPAA, HIPAA usually from a covered entities perspective is those healthcare insurance companies, clearing houses, providers, but the third parties that partner with healthcare companies, those agencies, those GPOs, those groups that work with them, they also need to comply with their healthcare adjacent data. So if they're using emerging technology in this way, they're going to need to account for the safety of that data. But one of the things that really kind of scares me about it is AI is so new that if the technology does have a tendency to hallucinate a little bit, it will invent a response when it doesn't have all the information and that's risky. That's risky for a patient care. That's risky for medical settings. It's, it's, it's still kind of infant, it's, it's infancy of it. So we have to be worried. Hallucinations, <laughs> an interesting term for it yeah. too. I, mean, I was just thinking. That's, that's the technical term, Fran. That's what they technically call it. <laughs> yeah. I think they're, they'll probably change that one up. So how can AI technology accelerate sales and marketing efforts within the pharmaceutical industry? And what specific areas do you see the most significant potential for growth? This is what I really want to know about. Yeah, this is what's really exciting is as we start to look at how artificial intelligence is changing sales and marketing, we're moving from the traditional marketing models into something completely different. So like I talked about how it's the Wild West, it totally is. We're moving from the Pony Express into something else. And there's benefits of being able to have a platform shift from a marketing and sales perspective. With the pharmaceutical industry, this is going to be such a critical leap forward for us. Because what we're going to see is life science commercial teams, so different types of pharmaceutical marketing teams, they're going to be able to orchestrate a lot of interactions that now mix traditional channels with some non-traditional digital channels. AI is one of the things that can quickly find patterns in large volumes of data. Like we talked about earlier, how there's so many giant data warehouses when you think about marketing and sales, there's the social channels, there's the digital channels, there's the traditional broadcast. There's a lot of ways that the pharmaceutical sales and marketing teams get the message out around awareness of an indication, as well as how they can get information directly to facilities and HCPs. What we're able to do now is grab onto the natural language processing capabilities of AI. And that's going to create an easier way for HCPs to be able to see the data, digest the data, because they might be grabbing data from so many places, yet they only have so much time in their day. So now we're able to understand where are the places that they're looking for information? Is it social media? Is it on peer-reviewed journals? Is it in long-form articles? Is it with community development with peers of their areas? Where do we need to look for that? So one of the things that AI is really going to help the marketing teams get to 
is being able to find those KOLs, those key opinion leaders so much more effectively. Right now, this process can sometimes be manual. It's a little inefficient, even if you have automated it in some way. But there is a lot of analytical methods from a machine learning perspective that are going to be able to mine this data so much more quickly so that you can create you know, those types of data banks of saying, these are the people whose minds we need to change. These are the people who need to understand about these new types of drug indications, or if there's something new that's coming out that's been approved by the FDA, we need to be able to understand that. And when you look at personalization from an AI perspective, AI personalization does not require any more data than what comes in from your regular advertising and traditional models. It uses very similar KPIs. So you're not having to do a lot to get AI and infuse it into your system. What it will 100% do is constantly iterate at a speed that we have not seen before. So normally, from a marketing perspective, you're looking at a campaign, you're creating a funnel, you're understanding which HCPs I want to get connected with, which patients I need to have them understand the different types of information from an awareness perspective. This speeds that up so much because human-produced content will never be as fast as synthesized data from multiple sources. But what is interesting to think about is there will always be a human component in the driver's seat. Even though we're looking at artificial intelligence, what I always like to think of is there's the authentic intelligence of a human layered on top of the artificial intelligence that drives the engine. And it's always going to be a driver and a passenger in that way. What you're going to see with the coupling of these two things is unlimited brainstorming potential. You're going to be able to have technology help us thrive in a perspective of being able to get more ideas faster. So when you're trying to figure out what is the best way for me to use AI to generate ideas around how we could get awareness to this indication, you're not looking at a blank page anymore. AI is going to rapidly generate different ideas for you. You're not going to use all of them. And that's where the human comes into play, but you're going to see a lot of new things there. You're also going to see a lot of deployment of content in a way that is unique to the pharmacy world. When you start to look at the way traditional marketing and pharmacy is, and you're looking at your traditional channels, AI will be able to figure out based on this type of indication or based on this type of awareness campaign that we want to pull together, what are the best platforms that we could use to get the information out there? Right now, it's, it's a little bit of a manual process of trying to understand, let me read the numbers, let me look at the data, let me crunch that. This is going to speed up what the data scientists do so much. And when the data scientists are faster, the marketing team is faster. When the marketing team is faster, the sales team is like three times faster because the sales organization around pharmaceuticals is that front line. They're making those relationships with HCPs. They're building that toolbox for them. And the faster we can get information to them, the faster that we can give them real-time updates of, hey, this is what's going on in your region or these are HCPs who are currently looking at diagnosing a patient with this type of condition, that's going to help everyone. Because like we talked about in terms of the patient has a need, the physician has a need, and then the pharmaceutical group can help serve those needs in that way. So we're going to see a lot of one-to-one -one marketing from an AI perspective. That's really where you, you see benefit. Being able to, and I hate to say it this way, but you're almost predicting the future in a way, 
because you're able to use AI to look at scenarios that as a human, we might be able to identify like, hey, these are three scenarios of where we could get the best of our information to our sales team. The AI system can run thousands of tests in a weekend, which you know, is one of those things that we just can't do as humans. So being able to understand how we can move that. What it does bring up, and, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention this part, is the ethical responsibility of the marketer. Just because the data is there doesn't mean it should be used. And just because the data is available doesn't mean that it should be used in every source from a marketing and from a pharmaceutical rep perspective. So there is always going to be that government regulation part like we talked about where we have to consider privacy of patients, anonymity of data, creating synthetic data sets to be able to create you know, different types of scenarios around. So while we are in the Wild West, it is so exciting. I am always so wildly optimistic about where emerging technology is. And I always keep an eye on where we should be cautious. But I think as marketers and, and sales individuals in the pharmacy environment, we should be so excited about how fast we'll be able to get information to us. And I think we should also be leveraging where we think ethics, regulation, and legislation play a part in marketing and sales in the future. Yeah. I mean, you could easily see how, you know, I like personalization, even, you know, if I say something and it appears on my Instagram, I'm into that. And this is going to make that even better for, you know, HCPs and patients and caregivers, like we said before, but it's, you know, you always have that bad player in the back of your head. So hopefully the, like you said, the regulations come into play and it does the job and we're all happy and grateful to have this new technology in our life. Yeah. I mean, there is a responsibility, you know, especially as as you think of all the information that's available, it's like, oh, I have all of this at my fingertips. There is a little bit of, of restraint that you have to be able to say, can I and should I? Because we're starting to see, even if you, if you take it out of pharmacy and you go into just marketing in general, and the way that there's 2,000 plus AI tools, there's a lot of litigation that's coming down the pipeline, especially when you start talking about image generation, where does creation from a human start and stop? And where does creation from AI start and stop? And where's their overlap? And it's one of the things that you have to be concerned about because you can create whole websites and whole campaigns using AI. It's grabbing that information from someplace. And sometimes that place isn't 100% attributed to. So we have to be a little concerned about that. Agree. Agree. So if you watched 60 Minutes back in April, you would have seen Google CEO Sundar Pichai talking about their company, DeepMind. Tell us a little bit about that. And how do you feel about us having access to that sort of information? How can we responsibly harness these technologies to become faster and more efficient? Absolutely. One of the things I love is how emerging technology like artificial intelligence is bringing everybody together. The larger companies are coming together. The smaller companies, are, are they have a stake in this game as well. When the Google CEO was talking about where Google is taking AI, they, they were one of the, the pioneers way back in 2017 of writing different research papers and articles around artificial intelligence. And a lot of the systems that, that we are using today are based on kind of the foundations of what, what Google has, has thought about and, and, and has worked on. In his discussion, he talked a lot about where Google's stake is in artificial intelligence. 
One of the things from a healthcare perspective is their investment in a company called DeepMind. They connected with DeepMind in 2014. So they have a fairly long history. It's almost 10 years now of working with that company. DeepMind has actually created a company within a company called AlphaFold, which is basically a protein structure database. It's created in partnership with some of uh, Europe's flagship laboratories for life science. So it's really a world effort. And what it does is it allows us to be able to expand our knowledge of protein structures. And it doubles the number of high accuracy human protein structures that are available to the scientists around the world. This is especially useful from a pharmaceutical perspective, because when you think about it, being able to have access to this buys us a lot of time. This is really where Google is diving into the drug discovery game. With this, they're able to say, how can we tackle biopharma research? How can we serve drug makers and figure out how medicines can react within the body? One of the things that stumps scientists for decades is how do proteins fold themselves into shape in, in time to create the building blocks of life? And this is where some rare diseases sometimes take shape is when you don't have that correct folding of enzymes. And one of the things that is interesting around what Google is doing is understanding that this database needs to be available so that people can utilize it to solve problems against rare diseases or against different pharmaceutical things. Time is a very interesting thing. It's an interesting construct when we think of time. And when I look at AI as a person who's been in emerging technology and looking at different types of ways that technology has improved our lives in the last 20 years or so, what generative AI has done that no other technology has really quantified is the ability for us to buy time. If you're able to take the research that you have to do for protein structure to help treat rare diseases or, or different types of maladies, that's usually decades worth of time. And when you're a patient, time is a commodity. Being able to get one more treatment, being able to be part of one more clinical trial. And if you're a healthcare professional, being able to offer 10 drugs in a time period versus only five because the more drugs that are created, the more options they have for their patients. And time is literally what we're running up against. And generative AI and machine learning is the only thing that I've seen in the last five to 10 years that's buying us time as a population. We're able to buy time in drug delivery, drug creation. We're able to get faster from a sales and marketing perspective to from the, the drug manufacturer to awareness to the public. Being able to get information about an indication or a, or, or a drug's complications or the way that it is treating things to a healthcare provider, those types of things are very time-consuming. And AI, we're closing that gap so quickly. And that's the one thing that joins us all together as people, to have time, to have one more day as a patient, to have one more year as a patient is amazing. And as a physician or healthcare provider, to have one more set of indications to, to choose from to help your patients achieve one more day or one more year. You can't, you can't really put a price on that. And when we talk about AI, there's been so much talk about, oh, it's efficient and you know some jobs are going to disappear and this is what's going to happen and we're going to be better at these things. I like to look at emerging technology like this as what's the human quotient here. And what we're doing is we're buying time because we're speeding up all the things that are so time consuming and so boring to do. And they're not crunching numbers and figuring the research out. We are shortening that. If I could sum this up into one thing, 
AI and generative technologies in pharmaceuticals buys us time. And that is the most important thing. I agree. And from a sales and marketing perspective and looking through that lens, you can see how it's going to help targeting HCPs, caregivers, and patients so much better. You know, it'll get to them faster. Just like you said, you get that time, you get early detection, you get treated earlier and more effectively because you have these drugs that are more targeted and precise. It's really exciting stuff. I appreciate you being on the show and I hope to talk to you down the road. Maybe in another six months, we'll see where we are. That sounds great. I feel like in six months, we're going to be at an, yet another milestone in terms of legislation and regulation, because, you know, as the elections roll through in November, it's going to be such a hot topic for us to connect with. So I feel like that would be a great time for us to come back around and say, where has the Wild West been tamed? It's funny when I think about it, the regulations around like social media are still kind of lacking. So with AI, I mean, they must be they must be terrified. But hey, you know, they could use AI to make this a lot easier on themselves. They could ask ChatGPT, what are the dangers of ChatGPT in healthcare? And it'll, it'll tell you. It'll totally tell you. Exactly. Exactly. And who's stepping out of line and when? Exactly. Uh, thank you. That's such a good conversation. I really appreciate it, Charlene. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much for having me, Fran. Look forward to uh, connecting again. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Farm Exec Podcast, where we take you behind the headlines to provide expert tips from industry leaders. Remember, you can always find us on the web at farmexec.com, on Twitter, at farmexec, on Instagram, at farmexecutive, and on YouTube, Pharmaceutical Executive Magazine. The views expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of Farmexec, its parent company, or our advertisers. For editorial questions or to get in touch with the editors, please email us at farmexec.com at mjhlifesciences.com. For sponsorship opportunities, please go to farmexec.com backslash advertise. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time.